Welcome to One Weird Trick, a podcast giving advice for better living. Your hosts, Aaron and Cecily, have zero legal, medical, or psychological qualifications to give advice. Please consider any advice you receive from them as being from well-meaning, but human and imperfect friends. Please consult actual professionals for any serious legal, medical, or mental help you may need. And now, here's Cecily and Aaron. Welcome back to One Weird Trick. I'm your host, Aaron. I'm Cecily. And I think we're just going to get right into it this week. I My weird trick is the last few weeks, I've talked about how I really need to reach out to my friend circle. I really need to reconnect with some of these buddies uh, that are scattered throughout the country, some in Indianapolis, some in parts uh, hither and, and, and yon. And I want to give a report back to the audience because I've I followed through. Uh, this podcast is really good for me in that because I'm like Jesus, I actually have to like follow through on some things that I talk about. Um, and I did it, and, I, and it feels amazing. Uh, I had a friend that I reached out to that I knew was hurting because I'd you know seen it in social media. I'd heard you know um, I, I'd seen some like group conversations and stuff where it was intimated, uh, but I also like kind of putting off reaching out because I've been kind of struggling with some things too. And it's like, oh man, like how... How am I going like, to take on someone else's weight on top of yeah, my Yeah, he's shoulder deep in quicksand and I'm up to my hips. Like, what the hell am I going to do here? But I did. I, I, I called him out of the blue and said, hey man, I don't know if you got any time to talk. He's like, actually, I don't. But like, let me call you back in an hour. Uh, and then he called me back and I'm like, ah, I'm in the middle of something. Let me call you back in the half hour. And we finally connected that night and we talked for like three hours and it was great. Like I came out of that conversation so pumped up and so energized and so feeling good, so feeling so good, and felt like he did too. And I just listened to like the first good long while. I just listened to him talk about like all the shit going on in his life and his struggles. And I was just saying like, man, that that sucks, or that wow, that sounds really scary, or like, hey man, I'm really proud of you the way you're you're handling this situation. And I was feeling pretty good from just like being able to help him out and kind of like share that bond and connection. Um, but what really blew me away is like, find, you know, conversation eventually turned towards me and like what, I, what I've been going through. And he had a lot of experience dealing with the thing that I've been struggling with. That I had no idea he had. And he gave me a lot of solid advice and solid pointers. And I just was feeling so great. And I'm like, man, I because I had like a list of like five people that I wanted to reach out and get in touch with. And um, what's amazing is within like 48 hours, four of those five people reached out to me completely randomly, like texted like, hey, did you see this thing that we're mutually like? I think one was we we, we talked about uh, like the end of the Mandalorian. Uh, one was like following up about like some plans we we're going to make like eight months from now, like out of nowhere. And like these things just kept on happening. And uh, I, I tweeted about some of this stuff. And, you know, I'm I'm a secular person. I don't believe in like putting things out in the universe and the universe putting things back. Not exactly. But, but I if do you think... did, it would go a little something. <laughs> but I do think it's like some of this like them, like it's valuable to talk about these things. It's valuable to say, like, check, you know, like these stupid tweets where people are like, hey, check in on your friends. Like sometimes I roll my eyes and I'm like, well, whatever. <laughs> But like everyone's seeing that, and I think there's a certain type of man who is trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. and we were all kind of like, maybe we all saw the same series of tweets, but we all kind of like impulsively were started to reach out to each other, and it feels great. And I think that 
I see this a lot in like Gen X, uh, the millennials, the Zoomers, where it's like there's this talk about nobody wants to make plans. If you make plans, everyone breaks them. Mm -hmm. Why do I always have to be the person? I think that like it might take that. Like we have a sick culture where we've lost a sense of community. You know, we talked about it on one, one weird trick. Uh, we don't have, you know, the big building you go to and you say hi to everybody and they say hi to you and check in with it. We don't have those things anymore. We've been more and more reclusive. It might, whoever of us is strong enough to have the impulse to realize you're missing somebody, don't feel bad about making those first steps. Don't be. Don't feel bad about being the person who's doing that. Maybe you are the pillar in your friend uh, com uh, community that can ignite that kind of sense of community. Um, yeah, it just. I think that if you remove the pressure from yourself, that helps a lot too. Like yeah. what you what you experience is catching up with your friend and had a, having a three hour phone call, which is great. Um, I think a lot of people feel like, well, if I go to hang out with my friend, it's going to be all night. Or if I get on the phone, it's going to set aside an hour or something like that. That's true. I've been trying, I've been inspired by, by what you're doing to try to set aside more time to see my friends too, but making about <laughs> what I'm calling micro hangs mm -hmm. where like I saw a girlfriend of mine who I haven't seen in months and we just went to go see a movie. We had time to talk before and after, but you know, it wasn't a whole night thing, which you know, remove the pressure so we can do it more. Yeah. Or we can send each other texts and keep up on what's happening every day without having to set aside an hour or two to talk through all the details and everything. We just keep in touch constantly. Or like we had, you and I had dinner with a couple that we we're friends with as well. We hadn't talked to in years. Right, exactly. And it's just micro hangs work too. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, uh, that's a good point because the three-hour conversation was an aberration. The others were like a couple of texts. Oh, I or do the like same thing quick... with my best friend. I w wait months to talk to her because that's going to be a whole thing when yeah. I finally do. Yep. Oh my god, what's I know? I got so much to tell. Then what... <laughs> but yeah, you're you're right. Don't make it because I didn't go in thinking it was going to be like I literally thought I was going to tell this guy, "Hey, man, I just been thinking about you, and I've seen that you've been going through some stuff, and I just really appreciate you, and and I miss you." And uh, I just wanted you to know that. And it turned into like, it's kind of like it kind of fed in. But yeah, you shouldn't put the pressure that it's going to be that necessarily. Yeah, I'm just um, saying both things work. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is I also followed through and I'm uh, taking the leap year weekend. I'm going back to Indianapolis and I've arranged a, ser two, a series of couches to crash on. <laughs> and I'm going to be... Uh, I, I've I've made a list. I'm going to be getting reconnected with four or five of my Indianapolis buddies. Nice. And I'm feeling real good about it. I'm so if you if you've been feeling if you've been feeling what I've been feeling, uh, follow through on that. Don't be afraid to be the one that's 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 making. And I, I mean, I I feel like there are legitimate like some people take other people for granted. And if you're always like for for years and years, always the one getting things together. But I don't know because I've we've got. I know I have one friend that is the linchpin of like a friend group of six or seven people. And he takes on the lion's share of like making sure that, you know, Hey, these are the dates we picked out and I've made these arrangements and I always tell him like, Hey man, I, I really appreciate that. And if there's anything like, can I, can I help you out? Uh, here's some money for like, uh, the accommodations and stuff and mm -hmm. make sure that I, because those, those people are good as gold. Like they're, they're yeah. doing the Fred's work. 
of of keeping the these these friendships going and it's also not a bad thing if you're that person exactly it's a it's it's a it's a like service you know it's kind of a it can be a privilege yeah and if you're the person that's feeling hung up on making that first move or texting or calling or something like that take the pressure off of yourself because chances are the people you're avoiding doing that with might feel the same way it's so stupid but like i find pop culture does a lot of things for me like this all started happening when i was watching creed 2 because there's this whole plot where rocky has fallen out of touch with this you know they had this moving reconnection and and rocky right Mm -hmm. and then you know in this fake fucking boxer universe they go year you know it's been a year or two since he's called because it's one of those things where it's like well i haven't called him for a month and that's going to be weird and now it's been two years and it's like just Fucking call him, Rock. Call your son. He's going to want to hear from his dad. Yeah. Get on the phone. Go see your grandson. Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a big thing, but it's also not a big thing. And don't make it bigger than it needs to be. Like, you know, because in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh, man, maybe these people are like uh, going to be mad because like I haven't called or like who was I the last one to reach out? Like what? Just 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 be the person that reaches out. It mm-hmm. feels amazing. Um, and it's, it's a valuable thing. And I, th- I think we haven't got this figured out how we're going to rebuild our communities and stuff, but maybe this can be a start, like start small with your friends and family and then see where it goes. The longer it takes, the harder it is, but it's also never too late. That's true. And it's only going to get, it's like whatever weird hang up you've got, it's only going to get weirder and more hung up every day you wait. So it's never going to be easier than today. So that's yeah. my, my one weird trick. <clears throat> All right. In our spirit of talking about lighter things, I wanted to talk about this experiment that I've been trying lately, and that is not washing my hair. <laughs> <laughs> I um, Right now, I haven't washed my hair in seven days, and by the time you're hearing this, it'll be 11 days or longer if you're hearing this after the first publishing date no, everyone listens to this they they set an appointment they <laughs> they have their alarm on their phone yeah they roll out of bed and they get their weird tricks on so it's going to be 11 days at most, at okay. most. yeah so i want to talk about this and my reasons and everything and i'm uh, none of this is really medically sound or anything like that of course there's a disclaimer at the stop, top of the podcast Go back and listen to that if you want to hear our... If you'd like to change your shampoo routine, (laughs) talk to your doctor and dermatologist. So I've been tossing around the idea of doing this for years and years. Mm -hmm. Just when I first heard about it, I thought it was really interesting, but I could never get over the period after... So I only wash my hair every couple of days anyway. I could never get over the period where your hair is just gross and greasy because I normally had a nine to five job. And I can't just show up at work looking like I haven't slept or I'm dirty, you know? Mm. I couldn't get over that hang-up. That actually works for a bunch of fucking podcasters (laughs) and who gives a shit. Yeah. You guys don't notice what I look like at all anyway, so it's fine. Okay. (laughs) Um. But I, you know, I just got over day three or four and that was the worst where my hair did, I felt like it did look kind of gross. But I also feel like that's my my own interpretation and not how other people see me. So I got past that and it actually has gotten a lot better. Um, You know, the thought behind doing this is that obviously washing your hair with shampoo is not medically necessary. And a lot of the leading thought behind this is that shampoo simply exists to beautify hair. 
and not clean it so much and, you know, also sell more products to women like, uh, you know, all the sprays and lotions and hairsprays and, you know, there's this deep hair mask and wash and shampoo and also shampoo twice. So you use up the bottle faster, uh, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind superfluous products that are marketed towards women primarily isn't exactly slowing down. Uh, recently, the the latest trends have been disposable wet napkins that people are using to as makeup removers mm. or uh, quote unquote flushable toilet wipes. Uh, the the jury, according uh, to plumbers, are like those that that's all bullshit. Those are not flushable. In, anything Do not that's do like that. fl- yeah, there's not nothing's <laughs> flushable other than toilet paper and maybe Kleenex. Uh huh. So, yeah, uh, you know, not using shampoo and other products like that is also inevitably eco-friendly because you're not throwing out a lot of plastic bottles. Uh, So, you know, not washing your hair, the idea is it encourages the production of sebum or sebum, which is the fatty acid that's unique to the sebaceous gland, which is, you know, the root of your hair follicles and that's anywhere on your body. And it's this oily, fatty substance that comes out of your hair. And it is one of the primary components of, or the primary contributors to acne on your body, uh, which I've noticed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, So through this trial period, I developed a number of pimples on my face. And I think that's because I just had this greasy hair and it was all just sitting on top of my pillow and, you know, when I toss and turn in the night, I have this oil all over my Smearing face. Smearing it all over. It's like yeah. the Exxon Valdez <laughs> situation. Exactly. So to combat that, I started sleeping with a pillow or I mean with a towel over my pillow, which does help. I think if you are someone who's prone to acne and you're not even doing this, try a towel on your pillow. It really helps. Uh, the reason that I'm doing this personally is because I have just very fine, thin hair um, using the Andre Walker hair scale, I have a 2A hair type, which means that it's naturally wavy. If you let your hair dry naturally, how it looks would be your hair type. And A means that it's just very fine and thin. So I'm prone to a lot of breakage, which means like split ends, mm-hmm. but also means that if you pull your hair up into a ponytail or pull it back in any way, it's prone to break. So that like the top front pieces of my hair are a couple inches long, where the rest of my hair is more than a foot long. So it just, it looks weird. So for anyone curious, I am, or the adjustment period is, I guess people say is between like two and six weeks before your hair stops looking like greasy and oily and starts to look thick and strong. Um, It's been a week for me and I think it's working pretty well. A lot of people have concerns about dandruff as well, which I'm not sure. But it's, you know, it's case by case as far as dandruff goes. So what I'm doing, my routine with no poo or my poutine as I'm calling it, (laughs) is that I, I take a shower every day and I'm washing my hair in the same way that I normally would, except there's no products being applied. So I just, you know, scratch my scalp and I work my hands through my hair to get rid of like the the dead skin cells and the detached hair and all of those things. And I get my hair wet with just water every day because it's 
you know, while I'm sleeping. How long my... do you let it sluice? What do you What's mean? your sluice time? Like, how long do you let the the water just pour through your hair? Is it just like a quick rinse, or do you like let? Because I, I I'm I'm an, I, I go I do a similar routine with my beard, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute. Mm-hmm. But I because like because I let I, I give my my beard like a minute of sluice time in the shower. I mean, it's exactly the same as I would when I was shampooing. Oh, so you just just doing a rinse? So like a couple of minutes yeah i mean when i'm shampooing it's typically under the water too i guess that's true the longer because i'm thinking like for guy hair even my beard is like pretty short for women's hair standards so like a minute of sluicing is yeah probably just where you begin if you've really got a suds worked up and two foot long (laughs) hair or whatever yeah i mean i'm i'm really like digging uh, i mean as far as shampooing as well i was really like scratching my whole scalp to just really work it through and like detangle your hair and all of those things at the same time so I would say like two to three minutes, um, on a in a thirty minute shower time, which is what I normally do. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love the shower though. So yeah, I I'm washing my hair, washing quote unquote my hair with just water every day. So it's easier for me to style when I get out of the shower as well. Um, a lot of a lot of women when they say they don't wash their hair, they also don't get it wet. Which I mean, depending on your hair type, is just kind of how it goes. So. After that, they recommend to just let your hair air dry, but I've been blow drying it and then using a boar hairbrush to work through my hair. And that kind of moves all that oil from root to tip, which helps it look a little bit more balanced because you'll see that it looks more oily at the top and then you have these fine frizzy ends. So that helps with that. Um, and then, yeah, just st- style is normal. There's been a lot more like braids and bobby pinups that I've been doing so your hair doesn't look flat and strange. Uh, some people use cornstarch or rye flour to put in the ends or the roots of your hair to absorb some of that oil. Mm-hmm. And you uh, can like brush it out. Yeah. When I, was a, <laughs> when I was a grody teenager, my friends and I used to put baby powder in our hair uh, so it didn't look greasy uh-huh. because we were just gross teenagers who didn't shower. <laughs> Why do teenagers not like showering? Man, I don't it's know. It's the best now. My 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 son finally got on to like, oh, I understand why cleaning yourself is important and good. Mm-hmm. Train. I think it's just because like when you're a kid, you like can you just don't ever have to you don't unless you're fit, dirty, you don't have to take a bath because your skin doesn't produce oil, your hair is always beautiful, like you never stink. Oh, you it's, mean like prepubescent teenagers? Yeah, yeah. Because once you hit puberty and you stop taking showers and you've got an acne problem, like yeah. <laughs> why? Yeah, it becomes it becomes very fully involved yeah uh don't do that i think what you want to do is sort of match the ph balance that your hair naturally has so uh you could do like apple cider vinegar or things like that how do you figure out your ph level is it just you look it up on that hair scale you were talking about yeah okay yeah i think so i mean this is i'm not going to call this pseudoscience but it's you know not something that has really been well researched that much and good because like i really want the scientists studying cancer like you know let the greasy hair right, problems exactly. solve themselves <laughs> uh so yeah you get you just got to figure out what works for you um yeah, no, so, and there's so, a lot of people who are also doing like sham- or conditioner at the ends of their hair because they're just dry and frizzy where mm-hmm. the oil is accumulating at the top there's that too um yeah me personally, I'm just doing this because I want longer, thicker hair. But so, so this is the the bullshit prop Uganda. Now I'm going to give you the story from the guy who sleeps with her every night. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's fine. I, mm-hmm. I, it's like it, um, it's, uh, 
Cecily and I are very strong personalities and we like to try weird shit. And I am I, not. I, and I, <laughs> I think there's been several times where like you or I have been the one be like, I think I want to try blah, blah, blah <laughs> system that I've read on the Internet. And it's like, OK. Uh, and that's when she said them like, because I've heard that, too. In fact, before I started losing my uh, I wanted to try that. And then I started losing my hair and I buzzed it all off because I have, I think, a very similar hair type to you. And, you know, I've heard many, many success stories on it. And interestingly enough, uh, when I I used to, you know, I've got a have got a fairly long beard um, and I'd always cut it a certain scent because once it got to a certain length, it would start to fork. And I went to uh, you for like a birthday present, got me uh, a gift certificate for a guy who just specializes in trimming beards. And I went to this guy and I told him like, here's, I really like the beard. I like it for it to be longer, but it always starts to fork and I'm not ready to be like a hillbilly biker guy yet. Like that's going to be awesome when I'm like 50 <laughs> or 60 uh, and I can braid that sucker and just have it swinging down to my belt buckle. But I'm not trying to do that right now. And he... Is a lot of it is about shaping and trimming it, but he also said, "Stop." He goes, "What are you doing?" He goes, "Well, I shampoo it every day and I condition it, you know, every other." He's like, "Stop, stop doing that." Like, if you want to condition like maybe once a week, um, then do that, but like, stop shampooing your hair. Just, just rinse it with water, and that, and just getting it shaped properly has completely stopped my beard from wanting to fork at the bottom. It's, it's, it's my beard is much healthier. I also was concerned it was going to stink. It doesn't stink. Um, and you know, that's, uh, you've caught me a couple of times going in for like a sniff to see like, Oh, see how, how disgusting is Cecily going to be today? And not, <laughs> you, you got, you, you have a very pleasant smell. So thumbs up from, from the guy sleeping with her. Yeah. The only, uh, the only concerns I have are that I do dye my hair. Yeah. So I think that'll, I'll have to start this process over every time if it's something I want to continue to do. And that is not washing or dying. Um, also when it comes to summertime, I want to continue to be a river rat and I don't really have any concern with my hair getting wet in fresh water, but I want to avoid like chlorine pools and I'm not oh, yeah. sure what or like ocean what, salt yeah. water might do. Cause man, that's the one time I do, uh, wash and condition my beard is in salt water. Cause it just like turns my beard to a Brillo pad. It's yeah. So, and, and, uh, you know, um, and I remember like reading a lot of nautical fiction where you talk about age of sail guys when they would be run out of fresh water and they resort to cleaning their clothes in salt water. They always talk about how stiff and coarse it would get. I mean, you can feel it in your skin. And yeah, because you actually have salt crystals embedded in this <laughs> yeah. once it evaporates. So that'll be interesting as an experiment. But um, yeah, that's just that's what I'm trying. If anyone else has tried it, I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, I'll check back in a few weeks and update you. Okay, well, those are tricks. We have a few requests for tricks from people. Uh, if you would like to uh, uh, get our advice or share a, a particular tri- tip or trick that you have, send that into OWT. That stands for One Weird Trick, OWT at swizzbull.com. Up first is a person we're calling Leviticus. <laughs> I have a quick win to celebrate before I get to my question. We love hearing those, Levitic- Leviticus. I recently celebrated my third anniversary at my current job. I've been in my current field for over a decade. In the last year, I finally felt the imposter syndrome wane and is now almost gone. This may seem like a small thing, but it feels amazing to have a job in which I feel capable and yet challenged. Also, I just plain love my job. I always rolled my eyes at people who said, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Obviously, that's bullshit when taken literally, but I think I get it now. 
My job is something I would do even if I didn't get paid to do it. People appreciate my contributions and value my opinion. My coworkers are like friends and family. I had to take some time off last year to care for my partner, and it was easy to do so and work from home in order to do that. I'm grateful to have an employer that cares about me on a personal level. That's great. That's great, Leviticus. It's but, hard to find. but there is a but coming. Uh-oh. It's a huge but. Uh oh. My employer is very religious. Oh no. The business we're in is agnostic, so the religious aspect doesn't come up most of the time. However, at the employee New Year's Eve party, a coworker approached my wife about joining a women's Bible study group. My wife politely responded with a vague, oh yeah, cool type of response. This isn't the first such invitation, although it was the first time she'd met this particular coworker. Recently, this person has reached out to my wife to invite her again to this Bible study. My wife has no interest in going. She considers herself a Christian, but doesn't go to church. I myself grew up going to church, but always kind of questioned things, and in college, it didn't take too long for questions to blossom into full-blown atheism. So, my wife feels weird about this. She doesn't want to go, first of all. She has no interest in going. Second, she would feel disingenuous to be there anyway when she wasn't into the whole Bible study vibe. As I mentioned, this isn't the first time we've been approached by a coworker about religion-related happenings. I've gotten a couple emails, one of which was from the HR per- uh, person of all people, inviting me and my wife to a religious function. Ooh. We politely decline or say that our, kid's, uh, our friend's kid has a birthday party, that kind of thing. I'm not really worried about losing my job, although I do live at an at-will state, meaning my employer needs no cause for letting me go. We're a small company and informal in a lot of ways, and I know that not everyone at work is Christian or even religious. It just feels like a lot that people keep inviting us to these religious things and we keep declining. My wife is uncomfortable with repeatedly receiving invites or being asked to join women's groups. It does seem a little sexist, too, because that they're working on her more than they are me. I don't know what my question is. I guess I just wanted to get your read on the situation. Any advice or guidance would be appreciated or just a sympathetic ear from fellow non-believers. Cecily... You got a one weird trick to deal with <laughs> proselytizing pests at the workplace. It's a lot of peas. <laughs> yeah. Um, my a friend of mine used to work at a dog kennel when she when we were both teenagers, and I would go visit her and maybe spend the day with her or something like that. It's, you know, back when you're an hourly wage employee, that's something you can do. <laughs> and the owner of that place was incredibly religious. And she kind of warned me about it. Didn't want me to come around sometimes because she, you know, evangelized a lot and would take anybody who would sit long enough and tell them that, you know, I just don't understand atheists because there's just no moral censor. What's stopping you from, you know, raping and killing? And <laughs> what and indeed? Like, what's stopping you? Is it just the Bible? Because that's yeah. a that's not great for me, a person who doesn't need a reason to not. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and it, I, I'm. It seems like maybe it's only going to continue to escalate them. You know, trying to push. Maybe they just think that you're shy, or you just really, you know, need a way, an entry into these Bible study programs. And I do. I agree. I think it is a little bit sexist that they're gonna they're gonna work harder on your wife because you know your wife is an entry point to get you in as well. Plus, I think that's a little bit like there's a little bit of Christian chauvinism in that like the wife tends to be more religious and the man tends to be more, you know, wanting to go out and you know rough and tumble and not not consider spiritual things and it's the woman that has to bring him back and gentle him. And- the Madonna complex in a way. Yeah, a small way. Uh, 
So there's, you need an excuse to get out forever and to not be asked anymore. And it can't be atheism, which you are not atheists. Uh, Aaron, do you have any experience with this? I mean, yeah, I do actually, because I was at a work and uh, I was at a job for like seven years and I was a Jehovah's Witness when I started there. And I kind of went through that process of the Jehovah's Witness finding myself <laughs> and uh, there was a time where like I wasn't a witness but I also was I wasn't into I didn't want to celebrate holidays like I'm like I just don't want to start I've gotten my whole life without celebrating my birthday and I've gone my whole life without celebrating Christmas and why start now well turns out like Christmas and birthdays are kind of rad and fun and especially if you have kids they're pretty cool but I hadn't, hadn't got there yet Um and this person at work kept on wanting to organize a big birthday thing, which I made me feel uncomfortable because like if you go your whole life without celebrating your birthdays and now people like you don't want to have a cake and sing it, it made and I have to finally put my foot down. And I think that this is this might become another one of those themes that we have in the one weird trick uh, verse. But I think the problem here is that you're not being like honest and assertive enough with these people because good Christians like to evangelize and weak dismissals can be interpreted as mild interest. And boy, mild interest can be fanned and and sparked into a burning flame of faith, don't you know? So I know... Especially if you're doing the Midwest nice thing. Yeah, and and you don't want to be rude, but I think if you and your wife... And I think you're right about the sexism stuff, so this probably has to be your wife more than you. But be like, hey, we'd love to spend time with you and hang out, but honestly, our relationship with God is more spiritual than religious, and we don't get a lot of fulfillment out of study and formal worship, and it kind of makes us feel uncomfortable. So if you want to hang out, that's great, but like, I I don't want to hold hands, I don't want to pray together, I don't want to read the Bible. And it's, it's scary to be that blunt and open, especially when there's... I know you're not afraid to lose your job, but you're not not afraid to lose your job or you wouldn't have said something about it in the email. But the ten, and, and the temptation is to add a whole bunch of like qualifications to it. Like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Jeez, it's just I'm not super into praying. Uh, but you're so great. You know, it's just I'm kind of irreligious. I wish I wasn't because uh, the Bible reading sounds so fun. It's so great for you. And it's kind of like that Rick and Morty episode where this girl's trying to let Morty down easy and she just kept on going on and going on. He's like, you know, I wasn't even offended, but now you're kind of pissing me <laughs> off. Like being the, 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 the art of being direct and assertive is to say what you need to say and then stop. Don't rush in there with a bunch of apologies and a bunch of flowery stuff to make it because the person will get it you know right because it also could push you into this your own moral quandary where you could even start conceiving of lies to get yourself out of it right. well like, i'm going to already, a different church i'm already part of a different bible oh, study oh my friends oh, oh that's the birthday party ah oh, yeah. boy you know it's because again the christians seem like oh man they want to come it's just all these things keep getting in the way so just be firm be direct some are going to appreciate it some might be offended by it but, you know, those people are going to be a problem no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and all you can do in life is set boundaries and expectations and people either respect them or they don't. And the people that don't, you then graduate the limits and distance to protect yourself and your family. But mm-hmm. I don't think unless you've wildly described a situation wrong or, or you're wildly reading it wrong yourself that you're going to get any kind of real trouble for this. And, you know, also... Maybe build a coalition amongst the other irreligious people, like invite them out for dinner, like do a trivia night with them or something. So, you know, because maybe it's like people think you're 
standoffish or aloof, which is fine to be, but that's like, man, I don't know why every employer place has to have this like family environment because it doesn't work for everybody. But like it's super. And if you kind of want that, then maybe do some things with other people. So it's not like you guys are just standoffish, but it's it's whatever. But I think the important thing is to be open, honest and assertive um, and, and, and try to strike at that. And I think the people will appreciate that. Mm-hmm. OK, the next one we have is from Matt. Matt says, I'm about to turn 37 at the end of February. Happy birthday. And I don't know what to do with my life. I don't currently have a job by choice. I'm incredibly lucky that this is an option, but I've been married a little over eight years and my wife is our source of income. We have one dog and live in a small apartment that we really love. We don't have any plans to have kids and we're not moving anytime soon. Backstory time. About seven years ago, I quit my job of being a trainer for new hires at a call center to become a writer. Again, very lucky this was an option. I finally self-published a novel on Amazon in the fall of 2017 and to date have made maybe $50, which is fine, but still disappointing. Yeah. I had also written a bunch of short stories and a handful of screenplays that all went nowhere. So in the winter of 2017, 2018, my wife and I decided it was time to maybe shift my focus to start generating some income. I looked into possible options so I could work from home, and I kept coming back to learning to code. Mainly from web developer design point of view, I really enjoyed it and wanted to do it from home as there aren't really these types of jobs in my area. So around February 2018, I finished an online class. Yada, yada, move happened and some things got sidetracked and I was basically smoking pot all day, every day. Mm. Two years later, I barely remember anything I've learned. I'm talking like 8.30 a.m. until I went to bed. My wife smoked too, but she didn't know I was probably smoking as much as I did. Our debt was beginning to grow. My wife didn't know that part. Whoa. I would bring my wife to work, smoke on the way home, watch some TV, clean, smoke, play some video games, walk my dog, smoke. Do laundry, clean some more, smoke, prep dinner, pick up my wife, and repeat that almost every day. And we started to accumulate debt. Mm. Eventually, it caught up to me, and in January 2019, I was in a bad place. I've been battling depression and anxiety since maybe 2007, and everything hit me all at once, sending me into a dark place. I was bitching at my wife all the time, hiding everything from her, and still buying large amounts of weed to ignore the issues. On the Sunday before my birthday last year, I woke up with a panic attack. I've had them before, and I generally know how to deal with them, but I was feeling pretty broken and began sobbing to my wife, and everything just came pouring out. I told her absolutely everything, and like the amazing person she is, instead of being mad, she told me we were going to work it out, but we most likely needed help and needed to tell our parents, and we needed to change our lifestyle. Good for you. My wife finally told me what she had been thinking for quite a while. Maybe it was time to stop smoking. I had started when I was 14 and began smoking almost daily around 30. This was by far the toughest thing I'd ever done. And despite a very rough couple of months of sleepless nights and emotional roller coasters, things began to feel normal. In about a month on March 10th, 2020, I'll have been one year sober. Congrats. Good for you. Again, it's only pot, but it had a much bigger control over me than I thought it had until I sat back and looked at how much I was putting into it. Maybe $400 to $500 a month, if not more for special occasions. Mm -hmm. So here we are today and I have no idea what to do with my life going forward. 
In the fall of 2019, I was able to take a web development class at the local community college, and while I really liked it, the job market in my area for this type of thing is almost non-existent, especially for a 37-year-old with no official degree. I don't feel confident enough or know enough to freelance yet, and I'm not sure my heart is fully into it. I still love writing, but haven't done anything with it for a couple of years now. Honestly, I love being a house husband. I like cleaning, cooking, laundry, and everything that goes with it, but I have this nagging voice in the back of my head that I need to get a job. We aren't completely out of debt yet, and that's a small weight on my chest. I just want to work from home, but again, there aren't many options around where I live unless it's retail. She'd rather I do something that I can do from home or work during the day for a few hours. We both came from retail where we met all the way back in 20, or 2002 and vowed never to do it again. I don't have connections anywhere. I don't have a large friend group, and I don't really like going out in public. I don't currently go to therapy, but I do want to start again with a focus on rejoining the workforce. I just have zero idea what I want to do. I'm a true loner and an introvert, and I love spending time with myself and my thoughts. I took a bunch of philosophy classes when I did go to school. I love space, horror, science, television, movies, board games, hiking, listening to podcasts and audiobooks, but none of these things can be turned into a job. Well, that's that's relatable. Uh, yeah, it's relatable. Uh, and also, how dare you say podcast can't be turned into a job? Goddamn, Matt. Uh, <laughs> so there's a lot here. Um, you know, the whole, I think you made a good choice of the marijuana s- stuff. Um, I enjoy partaking of marijuana myself, but I do have a, a, uh, a rock bed philosophy that's kept me out of a lot of trouble, which is I party when times are good and I stay sober when times are bad. So that kind of keeps you from if you have that kind of rule and uh, it keeps you from, you know, using things as a crutch because marijuana is like, you know, it's a lot of things good. There's a lot of things bad about it. But the thing is, is it it will make you comfortable on whatever path or trajectory that you are currently on. If you're on a good trajectory and a good path, then, hey, smoke up enjoy if you're on a bad trajectory and a bad path it can dis- as you've discovered it can distract you and and you know let your problems kind of spiral so um that's that's my two cents on that but like it sounds like you're you're conflicted here because you it sounds like you want a career but what you're looking for is a job and if you need or want a job you need to go get a job like drive i know you say you don't like to go out there's a lot of things here that you're not wanting to do but like if you want a job, get a job, drive for Lyft, deliver pizzas, answer phones. Some of those things are going to involve you going out in public. Some of those things are going to involve you interfacing with people. But honestly, most people prefer a Lyft driver that doesn't say anything and just takes you from point A to point B. You can get a Bluetooth earpiece on your left hand side so people can't even see it. You can still listen to your podcasts. Um, and the the other thing is you're not if i'm being honest you're not going to get a lot of kind of non-scam type of paid work at home jobs with the credentials that you have like there's the shit that housewives get sucked into like lou LaRoe and lotions and candles and stuff you know these multi-level, multi-level marketing, marketing scams but you really there's not a lot uh, you could do unpaid work like I started my career same as you. I didn't have a formal degree, but I just had a passion for like learning to code. And I started participating in open source projects. Uh, find an open source project in the language and the technology that you're interested in. Figure out what versioning control system they're using and how to work it. Uh, check out, uh, go through their bug reports. Find something that's very minor, maybe a formatting tweak. Uh, 
you know, download the relevant piece of code, try to fix it, check it in, get it approved. Like that is that's that's programming. And that's exactly the kind of program you'll do at like a big shop or at freelancing or whatever. And you there's no barrier to entry. You can just start doing it uh, and start building a body of work that way and also see if you actually enjoy it. Um, also, I think you might be a good candidate for technical writing because there's a huge demand for writing documentation, instruction manuals, stuff like that. And you know what a lot of open source projects completely suck at? Documentation. So maybe that's an in you can. And I know there's there's a lot, if you get really good at uh, technical writing, there's a lot of like freelance sites that just, you know, find people to do technical writing with technical writing that need to be done. And, you know, that's why it's not exciting writing, but it's kind of methodical and something that you can kind of like zen out and, you know, uh, just keep your keep your writing kind of keep your hand in writing and and then you know yeah. what most people do is they get a job and then they pursue their passions on the side and maybe their passions work out maybe they don't but um because i think if i'm if i'm reading the tea leaves correctly it i feel like your wife cares a lot more about your monetary value than you yourself feeling valuable and and you already have a tremendous amount of value like housework you know keeping the house clean cooking running errands, picking your wife up, that has a tremendous amount of value and it really makes her life easier. Um, and if you create value with the spare time you have through documentation, through little code fixes or whatever, eventually you can convert those skills and value into money if you want. Um, but if you wait for the perfect thing to fall in your lap, it's just, it's just not going to happen. So I think you need to start small, but start doing something as soon as you can. And if, if you need therapy to like work yourself into going out into the world to do that, because the world's not going to come in and pay you. It's mm -hmm. just not, not, not with the skill sets you got now, but you've, you set yourself a, a nice foundation to, to, to generate some value and, and see if you can turn that into a job or a career. But, but yeah, you gotta get, you gotta get started if that's what you want to do. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, you, you haven't updated us on the novel that you've written or any, anything else that you've written since you haven't made very much money on your first published thing, but you know, it's very rare that you're a Stephanie Meyer and your first fanfic becomes an overnight sensation. Mm -hmm. So I was just going to say, continue to work on your writing and doing what you feel passionate about. Yeah. Um, and that can be in the form of technical writing, like you said, but you're continuing to practice those skills that you are passionate about that's something i'm jealous of because like i have i always want to write like some non i want to write a fiction book i've written quite a bit of nonfiction, but i've i've always had a couple of ideas and i just never have the time maybe one of these days it'll come but you know <laughs> my job keeps me pretty busy as it is so uh yeah or you have you have one dog you could go look at like care.com, which is I thought you were going to say get more, get two, get <laughs> no, three, get five. <laughs> I was going to say like, you know, these are things you're already doing. Um, Have you seen 101 Dalmatians? <laughs> you could walk people's dogs to make some extra income. You could, you know, clean houses, something like that. So you're already doing things that you already know and like doing. And that's just another way to add income. It's not working from home, but it kind of is. Volunteering. Volunteering. That's... Mm -hmm not really a way to make money no but it's like it's it's something that you can get because like honestly being able to 
with seven year gap in your employment, you need to build up something in a resume, something that shows that, hey, I can go out like again, if you're if your goal, that's the, it's a chicken and egg thing because his goal is to work from home. But it's hard to find a firm to let you work from home when you don't like, oh, you can learn on the job and work from home. Wink, wink, you know, like you know that that's probably not going to happen so building up a resume showing that hey i know how to be out in, in public and be presentable and keep a schedule that will allow you to get into a place where maybe you can find a job where you can work at home yeah and i'm i hesitate to say this but i i i think it's a very valuable thing and very uh applicable in your situation the last full-time job that i had was at a call center where I started as a phone representative and then worked my way into management, both positions had the flexibility to work from home most of the week with voice over IP type of things. You can still, you know, uh, the idea of suggesting retail sounds icky in your mind, but it's something you can also do from home after you put in a few months of training. Yeah. Uh, you know, the future is working more towards everything is kind of automated and online. It's not something you have to be in a call center with a, thousand people around you doing those are options too all right well let's move on to the next one look who's coming to royal dinner has a uh, piece of feedback to our um i think this is for our aristocats episode oh yes i just caught the aristocats episode i'm not a huge <laughs> follower of the royals but i did get some take on twitter that gave me a new perspective on why they left the royal family thank you some validation I don't, People who don't care about the royals, but care because of the implications. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know any interracial couples and what it's like to raise kids in that context. As someone in an interracial marriage with two kids, I can tell you it's not easy. You encounter challenges, large and small, that people from either culture might never think you would. I'm not going to say that all Britain is racist because we know it's never that simple. But I think it's accurate to say that Britain is typically more reserved than Americans and may hint at things without saying it overtly. There's a child in a former imperialistic monarchy that has an African heritage. That's huge. Look at what happened when we had our first black president. Look at how tough the British press have been on the other royals, such as Diana, Fergie, etc. It drove some of them crazy, literally. The press does not write about Meghan with the same adoration that Kate Middleton received, even when they do similar things like publishing their baby pictures. Now imagine trying to raise an interracial child in that type of environment, even if someone were to say racism isn't the only cause and Megan knew what she was getting into when she got married, it still doesn't mean that they knew how bad it would be or would want to choose the life, that life for their child. Do I care about the royals? Uh, not much. Is it likely that there's some underlying racism that we should at least acknowledge? Yes. yes. And he includes some supporting evidence. Um, there's one from NBC News about uh, Meghan Markle and... Um, uh, British racism and what it says about black Britons. And then one I thought interesting at the BBC, uh, Princess Michael of Kent or Michelle of Kent wore a racist brooch to a lunch with Megan. And I looked at this brooch and it's essentially like <laughs> a bejeweled lawn jockey. You know, those types yeah. we're talking about, like just right there yeah. in their collar. And that's not cool. Um, they conclude life with the Royals is a trivial thing in my humble opinion, but it's just a straightforward. It's not just as straightforward as them wanting to do their own thing and be financially dependent, which I'll cop to. I think that's what I was taking away from it. And I, I think those are great points and I really appreciate the links and appreciate the perspective because you're right. It's not just like, Oh, we want to make our own way. It's like, we want to get our ki ch children away from this environment where they're made to feel like other or less than. Right. Absolutely. Which <laughs> it's, is... it's interesting that you go to America <laughs> uh, to, to that, but uh, you know, where no, they went to Canada. 
which is a little bit. Did they? Uh, uh, which part of Canada? Because, like, you know, the, the thing is, like. Uh, I mean, I, I hesitated to say that because I'm like, well, the prime minister actually has done quite a bit you know, of black I bet, faces, I bet the, so. the sad truth is there's not a great place to try to raise a an interracial yeah. in the world. Like, people are going right. to be more or less judgy no matter where you go. And that's. Um, I mean, yeah, this is something that I didn't want to dive into completely when we recorded that episode because I didn't I didn't know that I was properly versed again, not being like a Royals fanatic, but it's very clear <laughs> what's happening here. Yeah. I mean, all you have to do is look up coverage of Kate Middleton on any type of similar topic mm-hmm. that wedding babies, uh uh, charitable work things mm. like that compared to anything that Meghan Markle has done yeah and it's just the coverage is really gross no these, and it's got to be just overwhelming these these links are really an eye-opening and I'll include and that's those only in the show two notes. and that's only one instance of right of another member of the you know royal extended royal family that has done some sort of s- slight snub like this that was an overtly racist thing what she that brooch she, she wore mm. but you know, I saw, uh, I can't quote the source exactly, but I saw another uh, extended royal person wearing a brooch that uh, a very racist member of their family had worn in, like multiple generations before. Like it's so deeply embedded mm-hmm. and and gross that, yeah, you, you well, can't I mean, blame them for trying to make a change in the world. And this is this is good for their family, but it's progressive for the royal family overall. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you go back a hundred years and uh, the clock, and everything's gross. Yeah. Especially, you know, you're talking about America, you're talking about Britain, with as he said, you've got this racist, imperialistic monarchy that's you know dominating black and brown people around the globe. Yeah, it's it's not great, but mm-hmm. uh, um, I it's it's it, I can't imagine. I'm not going to pretend to know that how hard it is to raise a mixed family, but I'll give you kudos because I think you're on like the leading edge of. I talk about this on the Three Right Turns podcast. That Star Trek Utopia, you know, that's 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 you're you're on the 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 front front lines of that, and you're probably getting you know that you it's like pushing through that sound barrier. It's like everything gets rough and rough and rockier and rockier until we push through. And I don't know if it's decades or centuries, but I, I think we're going to get there. Yeah, eventually the pendulum is swinging. <laughs> Uh, so the next piece of advice feedback that we've gotten is from someone we're calling, they call me Mr. Chef. Mm-hmm. Going to the Sydney Potier theme here. <laughs> I totally understand taking women's situations into account when interacting with them. I try to go out of my way to cross to the other side of the street, not approach at night, etc. But my appearance tends to frighten parenthetically white women more than most guys. I am six foot three. 200 pounds in black with a beard. I'm a chef in a large kitchen on a college campus. On days when I come in for breakfast shift and walk into the kitchen, one of my coworkers, white woman, mid fifties is always visibly startled. She even admits it's because I'm a large black man. On another occasion, I happen to walk into the walk-in cooler right after a girl, white, early twenties to do something unrelated to her completely. When she noticed I was there, she full on horror movie screamed in terror I try my best to be a good dude, but when this shit even happens at work where I'm well-liked and widely respected, I don't know what I'm really supposed to do in other places where I'm not known. Man, that sucks because 
you know, you've got like an inch on me and I've got like 50 pounds on you. Um, but we know that like the skin thing is, is a, you know, the big deal. I, uh, you don't have that, that cloaking device I talked about a few weeks ago in uh, three right turns. And so I'm not going to say, I know exactly how you feel. I can kind of relate, but like you both, you know, I, you and I both know that I also can't, I just will say that you're doing everything right. I, it made me think about it Cause like we have, um, uh, just a huge black guy that works in this office. Um, he's like six foot seven. He's a former like uh, UC basketball player. Uh, and he works here at this, uh, you know, s- school for special needs children. And I've observed that he's like, always got this like megawatt smile and he's always kind of humming and he like takes he like really takes up space and when i was reading chef's email here i thought i wonder if this guy's like naturally this happy and like outgoing and uh gargari- gargarious uh, gargantuanly gargarious <laughs> or if he's like i got to be this way or people are going to lose their fucking shit like you know you're going to hear me coming three hallways down um you know and it's like that sucks because uh, I got resting bitch face um, and I a lot of times when I'm out in a space where I think I might be intimidating I try to pull it, play up and I raise my eyebrows and I smile and like you know we're talking about if I'm approaching a lady at night I like <coughs> come down to tuberculosis just so it doesn't seem like I'm trying to sneak up but it it sucks because again you know you're you're having it's just we're just not there yet and I I wish I you're, you're doing everything right and I appreciate you and and doing the things you're willing to do and trying to you know just keep being aware of it and trying to make women feel safe is admirable despite um you know all the kind of like because that's pretty provocative for a person being like oh my god you scared me of course you're a you're a huge black man so <laughs> you know we both uh, I had you know I, yeah. I I wonder what's worse is it I mean here's the covert a- over well-meaning not and it's like it's all the same it's all the same pressure i mean it's all based on people's life experiences like if there's uh if there's someone if there's a man following me and whistling i get very clockwork orange vibes (laughs) like this i'm i'm freaked out but you know i also have this kind of experience where kind of the bigger you are the less harmful you tend to be Mm. that you know the friendly giant trope Mm. it's all depending on your specific life experience like this woman who says she's intimidated by large black men shouldn't continue to be surprised by seeing you every day Mm. but she's still carrying around that kind of inherent fear that she refuses to let go well plus she grew up in an era where black men were the villains and ever like if there's a street tough that's ripping off a lady's purse it was a black man if there's a guy slinging you know if there's it's it was all like right and if you go to her house she's got a bunch of aunt jemima's lining the walls because that's how she chooses to decorate americana americana and you know cotton leaves and you don't understand that that's fucking racist (laughs) Uh-huh. I mean, but they love black people. Right. They love yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my recommendation is that you have them listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> listen to one weird trick and get over yourself. All right. <laughs> let's move on to... By be- becoming more self-aware. That's what I meant by that. Let's move on to being kind to yourself, uh, who wrote in, I just wanted to, or I just listened to One Weird Trick, the holiday episode, where you guys opened up about depression. Thank you for your honesty. I preach mental health so much to everyone, but I myself have not set it as a priority. 
Cosmically, I didn't intend to listen to this episode at that moment, but it came at a most needed time. After losing three family members recently and all had long health issues, one being a father-in-law and then one of being my mother, uh, in addition to a lot of other stresses in my life that have kept I've kept repressed and always having issues with seasonal depression, I still was not looking for help. My wife had talked about it, and I know it's important, but I was inactive. It's built up to issues at home and at work where I'm, uh, I now am having serious meetings with HR and talking about not just issues at work, issues with my manager, but also my own personal mental health issues. I literally just started ADD medication for the first time yesterday, and I can already tell the difference in my mornings with my focus. I've been focusing on quote-unquote actions I can take to prioritize my life and change some of my bad habits that have plagued me during my depression. Since I'm not at work, I'm currently on administrative leave, sadly, I'm finally taking the time to take care of myself. My wife and I are talking about setting up a foundation now that will carry over once I get back to more stressful times in my life. You and Aaron... He's talking to you here, Cecily. Uh, <laughs> talking about self-care and self-love and forgiving myself has been very timely. I still have lots of issues and things going on, and I processed the loss of my family. Seeing my wife and kiddo also process that loss, my issues at work. But I feel very positive with where I am, simply because I have finally started talking about my mental health, about looking for real help instead of saying I know it's important, making action plans so I can follow through, setting myself up for success now so when it's really tough, even though it's now tough, I will have helped myself get over the humps. Anyway, thanks for taking the time. I know it was recorded earlier and I'm just now listening, but it hit at the perfect time. Well, that is a very wonderful message to get kind to yourself. Yeah. And Thank you for sending that to us. It's I appreciate your openness. We try to be open with everyone listening as well. Um, and I've, I've been noticing that we have we have kind of held ourselves accountable by recording this podcast and, you know, fielding this advice that that gives us, you know, like we were describing earlier, how we're checking in with each other. Yeah. You know, sometimes when I go up against a heart issue, I think, what would I say to someone who wrote an email to us asking for advice on this? Uh-huh. Um, and we hold each of you and hopefully ourselves in this, what do you call it? Unlimited regard. Yeah. Unlimited for the, esteem. The therapist, yeah. Type of thing. You know, going through loss and things like that is not easy to get over. I mean, it's been 12 years since my brother died. I can't even imagine losing a very close family member, three of them, uh-huh. in the same year. Oh, my God. Like, my, my gra- losing my granddad set me back on my ass. Like... Yeah. Yeah. So, just know you're not alone, but things are going to get better. And it's so paradoxical, because I remember when I was in therapy, and... Because I always thought, like, I have to make sure that I never forget that I'm a piece of shit. (laughs) Because if I don't hold myself accountable, then who will? Because everyone seems to like me, and they think I'm good at my job, and if they only... And my therapist, like, helped me appreciate, like, that's literally insane. That's literally keeping you stuck in these cycles, Mm -hmm. because you can't, you know, like... uh, If if you don't love yourself, you're not going to take care of yourself. If you're not going to take care of yourself, then you're never going to get better. Um, and it is very, very paradoxical. Uh, and there's lots of different strategies to try to go about that self-love, but it's, it's really foundational. It's really important. Yeah. Aaron and I are deeply imperfect people and I don't think we'll ever reach perfection, but just trying to make yourself better and help each other and boost each other up and rely on each other. 
And that is, I'll listen to you if you listen to me type of mentality that keeps us going Mm -hmm. and happy and healthy. And yeah, I I like having these micro hangs every two weeks with you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but thanks for reaching out and telling us that kind yourself. We had a couple, we sent out a request for listener help last episode where we said, hey, one theme we're getting from people is that, okay, I want to get help. Where do I go get help? Holy shit. Help is expensive. <laughs> help is hard to find. Help is booked up solid for the next three months and I need help now. Yeah. Seeking help for depression makes me depressed. <laughs> yeah. What are your one weird tricks for finding help? And we, our, our, our listeners responded. I've got one from Helpy Helperson. Yep. So it sounds like they know what they're talking about. (laughs) Helpy Helperson says, you put out the call for how to find a good therapist and just wanted to mention a few resources. One, ask your doctor. Just like you'd get a referral for an allergist, they usually have the inside scoop on who takes what insurance, who has a waiting list, and who who they've heard good or bad things about. I will co-sign this by saying that I asked even my gynecologist, my favorite doctor, And she was not only able to prescribe some antidepressants in the meantime to get me started on something, she was able to recommend people. She can, you know, verify and refer to me and also is within my network. Uh, You know, that's how I like got started on my the most helpful round of therapy that I did like 10, 12 years ago is I went to my doctor and I'm like, I just feel I'm a mess, man. Like I'm, I'm anxiety ridden. Uh, I'm this, I'm that. And he's like, well, you need to get into therapy, but you also sounds like you need something to take the edge off. And he was able to give me like, you know, like a very mild, um, so I forget what it was. Um, that, that, uh, was it effects or maybe anyway, something that was able to get me the kind of space I needed to find you know to get the strength i needed to go find the other help and he's able to give me some suggestions on that and actually this email reminded i forgotten of that <laughs> so i actually booked a appointment with my doctor tomorrow. uh no it's not tomorrow it's next week i'm pretty sure it's next week i need to check my calendar because it'd be <laughs> just like me to sleep through my uh, or screw up my appointment but yeah i uh i'd forgotten about that one weird trick and thanks for a reminder helpy helperson so healthy <laughs> helpful uh, number two on Helpy Helperson's list, psychologytoday.com slash US slash therapists. We'll put this link in the show. A notes great too. resource to find therapists that at least on paper seem like a good match. You can search by a huge list of different issues such as depression, video game addiction, grief. Uh, then you can look through the bios to see if they seem like a good person you'd be interested in working with. If so, you can cross check a few people you like with your insurance or just email them and see if they take your insurance. That's that's great advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm not one to say judge a book by its cover. But again, I have also said in the past that I prefer a female doctor. So I, you can just tell by some of these doctor people. <laughs> Number three, check Yelp or reviews on Google. Most therapists aren't on here, but you can rule out really bad ones with large amounts of bad reviews. Yeah, that's a good. It's kind of like I, you know, Yelp and all those things are useful to a point, but it's kind of like Amazon reviews. It's kind of like everyone's going to have a couple one star, but like look for patterns and look for the things that are important to you. You know. Uh, yeah. I mean, just as a personal note, I'll say that Yelp is bullshit. They can go fuck themselves. <laughs> so check any other place besides Yelp. I think there's some PTSD <laughs> from a former career here. Uh. Finally, Helby Elperson says, I know it can be really hard to get help when you're in a bad place, but just take it one step at a time. One day, 
Just do some research. The next day, send a couple emails. Before you know it, it will get momentum of its own. That's the key. Just uh, I know, like we talked about, you know, when you're depressed, you have good days and you got bad days. And the good days aren't ever great, but you you can feel like some days you just get, get like an erg or two more of energy. Use those to try to get the ball just a little little further up the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, Swampy also has some suggestions. It says hot on the heels of my parents getting divorced. I needed a therapist. Stat. Luckily, I found a college in my area that trains therapists and signed up for sessions with one of their graduate interns. I'm not able to shell out the big bucks, and luckily they have a sliding fee scale for the sessions beginning at $30 an hour, which is wildly cheap for the value I'm getting. Yeah, I'll say, like, with my insurance uh, therapy, ther- my therapist was like 50 bucks a session. Without, it was like 125 150 So, like, that's a really good deal. And also, I will say, just being honest with your therapist... Sometimes they're willing to just work with you. Yeah. Like maybe it's not within the the copay range or how the insurance works or something like that. Therapists are generally pretty good people and they mm. can just work off the books with you. Mm. If you're willing to ask and be honest, which, you know, that's what you're going to therapy for. Not everybody, yeah. but it's, you know, it's worth It's worth asking. About. Uh, I was initially cautious about doing this, not knowing the therapist in training would be of a sufficient caliber, but I couldn't be happier. Not only are these intern therapists qualified to see real patients, they're also overseen by a full team of professors who are strongly motivated to ensure their students are doing high quality work. Some therapists are set in their old ways, but mine is constantly sharpening their skills and checking in with their superiors to make sure they're giving me the best counseling possible. The result is in the last six months, I've had a lot of insight into myself healing some of the wounds from my family and movement towards a future that I want in my career and upcoming marriage. I'll be mm-hmm. sad to see my therapist graduate this May, but even then I have the option of continuing with a new intern and I might not even need to continue weekly sessions at this point due to the progress I've made. Which is another good point because I think some people think, uh, and I want to generalize because honestly I don't know, but but some people think, oh God, if I start going to a therapist, it's just like going to be forever. But in my experience, there's a period of you need acute help and then there's like maintenance and then there's where if the, the therapist is like, so do you think you still need to come back or you just want to call me when you need to talk about something? And that's how you know you've graduated to to normality, whatever the hell that means. Yeah, there's some people who, yeah, they do this weekly and there's some people who just need to go back and work through a specific issue. Mm-hmm. I've had, you know, when I was very late teen years, my first therapist I ever saw was recommended from a doctor and is based on this, you know, very basic health insurance type of plan. Um, and I saw an intern and I spent three or four sessions just talking to her about my background and she was just writing notes constantly. And I was put off of therapy because I was like, I'm just talking about this stuff. She's not helping me in any way. I could just write a journal and accomplish the same thing. If that's your experience, then don't be put off by that. There's there's different kinds of help out there. Uh, but, you know, one of the themes we hear is that, like, it's hard to find access. It's expensive. And if you are not struggling with depression, um, you know, it's to, to kind of um, to, to deal with the three right turns topic, uh, make sure you register to vote. Go out and vote. Go out and vote all the elections, local elections every year, off-year elections, special elections, because I'm amazed at how many, like, off-year and special elections they hide the levies for, like, 
mental health spending and treatment facility spending and say like our healthcare, our mental health, especially in this country is so fucked up that like, I almost don't even need to read a levy to just be yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, We need to point a 0.037% tax to uh, deal with mental health and, and Hancock County. Fucking yes. Yes. Shade (laughs) in that dot. Yes. Uh, That's one thing you can do to help everybody else who's struggling to get help. Um, you know, I, I think that's something I would encourage everyone to do because, boy, a lot of us, our, our fellow Americans, would be so much better off if this if this care was easier to get. If it was easy, as easy to find a uh, mental health care professional as it was to order a pizza, oh my God, imagine how much better our world would be, how much better communities would be, our neighborhoods would be, our families would be. Holy moly. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's where the, the two, the one weird trick and the three right turns intersect <laughs> and slam into each other in the median. Yeah, so that's that's all the, that's everything we've got this week. If you have some advice or feedback and any advice that we've given, you can send it to OWT at com. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash swizzbold. It's going to be the first of May, or sorry, first of May, first of March real soon. And the first of the month is when the Patreon processes everyone's pledges. So if you want to enjoy your patron privileges in March, make sure you pledge before then so you can get your Reddit flares, Mm -hmm. you can get access to or participate at the Tiger levels and our our March Patreon live stream. Uh, And we have a new patreon exclusive live stream that we're going to be doing on thursday night march 5th at 7 p.m eastern standard time again that's march 5th 7 p.m eastern standard time uh anyone who's a patron can watch that if you are at a tiger or higher level you can participate in it and send us questions through the news post we'll be sending out but uh, to do that, you have to be signed up before March 1st. So if you had an inclination to join our neighborhood at patreon.com slash please go there and lock in your pledge before March 1st. And of course, if you contribute to the Fred level, you can be thanked by name at the end of each podcast. Very much like our two February Fred level patrons, Angelo Morano and Kira Grushow. Thank you so much for contributing and patronizing us. In this I think it's month. actually Kira Grushow. I got I got a pronunciation okay. guy for the guy Kira who's herself. notoriously bad for about pronouncing names is going to correct me. So I, I, I am. <laughs> she's she's a Fred and she deserves it. Kira Grishow. I hope I got that right. <laughs> we couldn't uh, do the podcast without you. Yep. Thank you. So until next time, I'm Aaron and I'm Cecily. Have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>